It's 11 minutes before the hour. You are listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, October 20th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka police are calling for Sitkins to lock their cars after a recent uptick in car thefts. Police spokesperson Serena Wild says in the most recent incident, an officer found a car submerged in the water on Back Beach early Thursday morning. The vehicle had been taken out of storage, which it had its keys left in it, and had been joyridden around and was on Back Beach, stuck in the sand, unable to move, and the tide did come in and covered the vehicle. And then this morning, once the tide had gone out and it became daylight, officers were able to go with the owner and retrieve it from Back Beach. Wild says cars aren't disappearing from one particular location, though on occasion Sitkins have been known to mistakenly drive the wrong cars home from the airport, since leaving keys in the ignition is common. Seven cars have been reported stolen so far this year in Sitka, five of them since September. Four of those cases have been investigated by police. At the end of last month, a car parked in front of a home on Edgecombe Drive was stolen in the middle of the night. The car was recovered, but police still don't know who took it. Police are advising Sitkins to lock their vehicles, secure their keys, and avoid leaving valuables inside cars. Two teenagers will pay several thousand dollars in fines and forfeit their guns and hunting licenses for illegally shooting two brown bears on the Sitka road system last fall and dumping the carcasses. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. 17-year-old Peter Wesley Holst last month pleaded guilty to seven misdemeanor counts ranging from unlawful methods of taking game to hunting in a closed area to failure to salvage a brown bear hide and skull. Five other related charges were dismissed by Magistrate Judge Pamela Stela Kernin. According to court documents, Holst and co-defendant 17-year-old Bay Evan Barkhofer shot a brown bear on the evening of September 30, 2022, on the Nelson Logging Road outside of Sitka. Holst used a Remington 12-gauge shotgun to kill the animal. Barkhofer fired a Ruger 44 Magnum pistol, but missed, based on cell phone video evidence provided to wildlife troopers by a witness. Neither Holst or Barkhofer was in possession of a bear tag, and the animal was illuminated in the headlights of Holst's vehicle, a Chevy Silverado pickup, which was stopped less than a quarter mile from the state highway, Halibut Point Road. The pair, aided by some other teens, then loaded the carcass into the pickup and drove partway up Harbor Mountain Road and dumped the carcass over an embankment. On October 8, 2022, again, according to court documents, Holst killed a second brown bear, again in the headlights of his vehicle on the Nelson Logging Road near the footbridge over Stargavin Creek. He was accompanied by another teen who did not fire a gun, but instead, with the assistance of multiple juveniles, helped load the illegally killed bear into the truck and drive it to Harbor Mountain Road for disposal. Barkhofer pleaded guilty to five wildlife violations for his participation in the first incident with total fines of $1,250. He'll be on probation for two years and unable to hunt or trap for the first year of his probation. Holst was fined a total of $7,000 with $3,500 suspended, the balance of which he can pay or serve 350 hours of community service instead. He'll pay $2,600 restitution to the state of Alaska for the two bears, either in cash or from his permanent fund dividends for the next two years. Holst will be on probation for four years and unable to hunt for the first two years of his probation. Both teens forfeited the firearms used in the incidents. Their phones and GoPro camera were returned. 
Alaska wildlife troopers were able to locate the discarded carcass of one of the bears on Harbor Mountain Road. The hide and skull of the animal were present, but the two front paws had been removed. According to court documents, Holst admitted to disposing of the claws in a section of the bear's hide on Blue Lake Road on the morning of October 12, 2022, in anticipation of contact from wildlife troopers investigating the shooting of a brown bear outside of Holst's home on the 1400 block of Edgecombe Drive the previous night. The subsequent trooper investigation determined that the Edgecombe Drive bear was killed legally in defense of life or property, and the names of Holst and another involved juvenile were not publicly linked to the incident. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Increasing pressure has been put on the North Pacific Fisheries Management Council to take action to limit the number of chum salmon scooped up at sea. KYUK's Evan Erickson has more about the council's latest move on chum management. At its October meeting in Anchorage, the North Pacific Fishery Management Council took a small step toward a possible cap on chum salmon bycatch, passing a motion to consider a handful of alternative management schemes. There is already a so-called hard cap on Chinook salmon bycatch, which requires the trawl fleet to be shut down if too many Chinook salmon are caught incidentally. One of the alternatives for chum recommends caps ranging from 200,000 to 550,000 total fish, while another would only put a cap on those chum determined to be of Western Alaska origin. Yet another would have caps set based on run strength indicators from the Yukon and Kuskokwim Rivers and Norton Sound. Finally, a fourth alternative would allow the Pollock industry to avoid a hard cap on chum bycatch entirely through an incentive-based system. In public testimony as the council met, Tanana Chiefs Conference Chief Chairman Brian Ridley pushed back against the idea of self-managed bycatch. I want to emphasize that voluntary incentive programs self-managed by industry do not create accountability or fulfill the federal trust obligations to tribes. Trusting that commercial fishermen will do the right thing is not a solution on the table. On the other side of the debate, Brent Payne, executive director of Seattle-based Trawler Trade Association United Catcher Boats, testified in support of incentive-based management. We can incentivize individual captains to minimize behavior. We can reward captains that do a good job, and we can penalize captains that do a bad job. On a hard cap, you can't do that. The next step in the council process is creating a federal environmental impact statement for these alternatives. The deadline for the EIS is July 11, 2025. By December 2024, the council says it will make its final decision on which alternative or combination of alternatives to pursue. Critics say the council has repeatedly failed to take any real action on CHUM and that its most recent meeting was no exception. Tim Bristol, executive director of conservation group Salmon State, said economic concerns have skewed the argument. As long as we are stuck in a situation where doing anything to reduce bycatch in a significant way has to be balanced against the profits of those trawlers, I think it's going to be directed fisheries and Yukon-Kuskokwim communities that end up losing. Frank Kelty, a fisheries consultant for the city of Unalaska, pointed out in his council testimony that some communities rely on those profits. We're very concerned that uh, if we had a hard cap that was very restrictive and we had a spike in Asian and Russian chums, it would shut down the Pollock fishery, which would be devastating to Unalaska. There are numerous factors muddying the waters when it comes to action that could ultimately cut into Pollock trawler profit margins. One is the need to agree on how many of the chum caught at sea are actually bound for western Alaska rivers. 
The council's preliminary analysis cites genetic analysis data going back to 2011, indicating an annual average of around 50,000 western Alaska chum caught by the Pollock fishery, representing roughly 18% of total chum bycatch. But that same analysis notes significant variability in these numbers. Another hotly debated factor is climate change, given that warmer ocean temperatures and a subsequent loss of prey have been linked to chum declines across the North Pacific. To complicate matters further, data indicate that roughly 68% of chum caught by the Pollock fishery are not from Alaska waters, but from Asian sources, mostly hatcheries. The combination of these factors, increased competition for a dwindling food supply, could be a double whammy for Western Alaska chum. Association of Village Council Presidents Chief Executive Officer Vivian Corthius testified that environmental factors should not distract from the need for quick action on bycatch. What is happening in our villages and on our rivers is inequitable. It's unfair. Climate change cannot be used as an excuse not to address the problem we are facing. With years to go until federal regulatory changes could take effect and the potential benefits of drastic changes in management could be examined, the calls to protect Western Alaska chum will likely continue to grow louder. The council's next meeting will be held December 4th through 12th at the Hilton Hotel in Anchorage. In Bethel, I'm Evan Erickson. Taking a look at the community calendar. Yupik textile artist Golga Oscar is in residence at the Sheldon Jackson Museum from 9 a.m. to noon and 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. weekdays until Friday, October 27th. He will give three talks and a class on Yupik bag making. For more information or to register for the class, call 907-747-8981 or visit friendsofsjm.com. Registration for after-school explorers for first graders is now open. The program focuses on exploring art, nature, and literacy, and includes outdoor games and circle time. Sessions are 2.30 to 3.30 p.m. Tuesdays and Thursdays, October 24th through November 30th at Baranoff Elementary School. For more information and for registration, you can visit the Parks and Recreation page at cityofsitka.com. Susan Bryles of Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium and Cindy Gibson with Wayfinder Wealth give a presentation on Medicare and Social Security retirement benefits at 11 a.m. today at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Sitka Photographers Guild hosts a free workshop on photography copyright at noon today via Zoom at Harrigan Centennial Hall. A presenter from the United States Copyright Office gives information on how to protect images, what the law entails, and more. Contact Bobby Jordan at 907-738-0166 for more information. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Maureen.